0: Welcome to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Kim is a
1: psychotherapist and executive director of ICU Talks, a mental health speaking ministry. This is a podcast about how to flip your lid and learning how to reconnect to who you
0: really are. All right, Flip Your Lid audience. I'm here today with my new friend, Amanda Ferrett. And just want to let you all know, I am intrigued by EFT. EFT has to do with emotional freedom tapping technique, right? And I don't know a lot about it. And you might not either. But we're about to because I went searching for an EFT practitioner, an expert in the field, and I found Amanda Ferrett. And she is such a badass that underneath her picture, on her biography, y'all, it says, The Badass of Holding Compassionate Space. So she had me at badass, and so here we are. Amanda, thank you so much for being on Flip Your Lid.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, and I'm glad that badass resonated with you, because I know yeah. some people, that word has a different connotation or meaning, sure. and I'm absolutely in love with the word, and I actually, I've turned it into an acronym for my business, actually.
0: Oh, well, we'll have to get to the acronym because I would like to know that. So that would be really cool. Yeah, so thanks for being here. So we're just going to jump in there. That's how we do things. And we're going to start with the own guaranteed question today, which is, I'm going to tell me a little bit what in life flipped your lid and what measures have you had to take to reconnect to who you truly are?
1: Well, I unfortunately experienced a lot of grief and loss in a very short period of time. My grief journey has been a lifelong journey. It started when I was seven, year old, seven years old, but it really got hard at, as an adult when I lost my grandma, who was my person, and I was in a toxic job and I got out of that job, but then I lost a friend. Fast forward a few years and grief was like, we're not done with you yet. And I was actually in grad school at the time. So I was studying to get my master's of social work and learn how to take care of other people and do all things mental health. I've been in mental health and social services most of my professional career. But life decided it really wanted to hand me some deeper personal level lessons. And unfortunately, that started with the loss of my dad, who had been battling cancer. He'd been battling multiple myeloma for almost 10 years. And on my birthday of 2016, it became clear that he was losing that battle. So July of that year, we made some tough decisions that I decided to take the fall term off so I could come home and be a caregiver and help my mom out with my dad in his final moments. And then that fall was the election year that was not in favor for those of us in the world of social work. And it was just, you know, really tough times. And then I go back to school in January and in February, I get a call, hey, grandpa's dying, we need you to come home. So at home was there for my grandpa as he passed away and his funeral and all of that, then went back right back into school, finish that term, on to the next, then had my emotional support animal who I'd had for a decade get terminally ill. I literally had to say goodbye to her and then start school fall term the next day. And in there, there was other losses, right? Other kind of peripheral losses. And then I lost a cousin around Thanksgiving. And then it became clear that my grandma was not going to last much longer either. So I came home early at the end of fall term in 2017, finished my finals at her bedside, and then stayed through winter break for her funeral and tying up all those ends. Came back in January of 2018, went right back to school, and it only took a couple weeks and I imploded. That's where my lid flipped. I had been doing things to take good care of myself physically, But mentally and emotionally, I was not given permission or space to grieve or honor any of my difficult emotions. I instead had to plan funerals, get back on an airplane and come back to school and dive right into learning how to take care of other people and prioritize other people. All while there was the the pretense of learning self-care, right? My advisory was all about self-care, yet it wasn't. It didn't fit, right? So I'd had that toxic boss in 2013 when i lost my grandma that totally ruined self-care because she took self out of it. She micromanaged our self-care. So now I'm in advisory and I need self-care. I need community care, really. And I'm not getting in and I'm not getting space to take care of myself. And life imploded. Things happened at my internship. Things happened at school. Like nothing, nothing was working. And I finally just had to say, I need to take a break from school. I need to step back from everything, And I'm a cancer sun sign. So I really went into hermit crab mode and really receded into myself. Um, My mental health got pretty worse, um, pretty bad. And I actually became my social anxiety and my depression got bad enough that I quit going out in public. And I had been a fairly outgoing person. I would travel by myself. I would take myself to dinner. I would go and do things, but So I ended school kind of at the end of January, beginning of February. And by late spring, I was just, I was done. I'd gone to DC in April for a poetry um, conference. And then I was just like burnt out. I was done. I receded into myself and my physical health was also failing um, to the point that I actually, according to the ADA, you know, qualified as disabled. And so I was like, okay, Amanda, you've worked in mental health and social services most of your professional career. You've also dealt with your own mental health stuff off and on for years. What do we gotta do? What do we gotta do to start digging you out of this darkness? Because you can't live here. And so for my 40th birthday, which was the summer of 2018, I realized I qualified for a service animal. And so I got myself a dog that I was going to train myself because that way I'd be forced to get out of the house and kind of do other things. I got myself a therapist. I found one because I had struggled, right? Because again, knowing the ins and outs of therapy on a professional level, I really struggled to find good therapeutic matches with my therapist because this weird thing would happen where I'd almost get put in the therapy chair sometimes. And just, it was really just not always appropriate things would happen. And um, a lot of emotional labor because I'm very social justice focused as well. So I had to do some educating to my last therapist before that and just, yeah, but I found an amazing therapist who's a great fit, who was willing to let me kind of bring my dog in as well, part of the training and part of the process. And um, so I started to kind of slowly climb out of my hole and I started to talk about it. I had to get real with people and I will never forget a conversation with my very best friend, who's still my very best friend to this day. And I was being real with her and telling her, and I was always the friend that listened, right? I didn't always share my stuff unless I, it was really bad, right? And so for her to hear how bad I'd gotten, she'd known me in college as an outgoing sorority girl. And again, the person, you know, after college, I moved across to the East Coast less than a year after Mm 9-11. And I'd moved, you know, I'd done all these big things with very minimal fear, right? Just charge ahead and always been socially, you know, social butterfly and outgoing. In fact, my family's like, we don't know who you are because you're so much more social (laughs) than the rest of us. And so for her to hear that I was, agoraphobic and not leaving my house except to go to therapy and wasn't doing well. And there'd be days where I didn't, you know, if I got out of bed, it was to go to the bathroom and then I'd make it to the couch. And that was, you know, as good as it got. And So I started to turn that around. Um, again, my birthday kind of seems to be a marker for a lot of things happening. And, uh, so I was just like, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to pull myself out of this and, I decided to go home to Montana for a little while and I kind of started to get back out into the world a little bit and it wasn't easy. It was still a challenge, but I tried a few different therapies. I, you know, I was doing talk therapy and we, she was also trained in EMDR. So we did a little bit of that. And then I kind of, I kept getting a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. So then I tried hypnosis and, um, you know, I was kind of researching other things and getting out there and, you know, doing all the self-help, right? And redefining self-care for myself. And, um, and that's when I decided, I took a look at the wellness wheel and was like, okay, self-care can be all these things. Like, um, what, let's do some whole person self-care. Like, let's break this down and let's redefine self-care. So in that journey, where I kind of came back to myself was when life handed me another loss, In the summer of 2019, a friend of mine who had gone to both high school and college with, and who was my best friend that I talked about that conversation earlier, it was her brother-in-law died by suicide. And so I went into immediate action, being there for my friend and her sister, because um, we were all sorority sisters, but James had been married to my best friend's um, sister, actual biological sister. So, and that family is like my second family. So I just went into action taking care of my family from 800 miles away, doing anything I could, and then making arrangements to get home to Montana and was home in Montana for about six, seven weeks and just went into action, helping wherever I could, doing whatever I could, being there at the memorial. Then we did the um, suicide prevention walk in Bozeman and we did all these things. And I got home back to Oregon and I was like, I'm not burnt out. And that felt really good. And I would always get told after each funeral that I had planned a beautiful service, that I had done a great job on the eulogies because I'm also a little bit of a writer. And I actually, my one cousin, when he had said that to me after my grandpa's funeral, I said, well, how do you put that on a resume? And he kind of was like,
0: I said, what he said maybe wasn't, you
1: know, but he was just trying to let me know that I'd done a great job and that it was a beautiful service. I was like, yeah, but, but how do you put that into a resume? So I started to think about, okay, how do I come back into the world? I have all these years of experience, all this education I've paid for, and I have the compassion and the passion to want to help. And so I really kind of sat with myself and my heart and what was aligned. And I sat with a friend who was a business coach and I I still have the notebook where we had all of our initial conversations. And I actually just went back through it last week. And it was all about grief and self-care. And so that's the journey I started. I started as a grief and self-care coach. And then the pandemic hit. And I was like, okay, well, I'm still healing. I'm going to learn some new things, right? I don't know what it means to be an entrepreneur. So let's be a good entrepreneur. Let's go learn. Because, of course, everybody turned to online spaces and services, So there was tons of opportunities for me to learn things. And so, you know, I was a little bit worried about my social anxiety because I just started going back out into public, right, to promote my new business. And then the pandemic hit. So I was very conscientious about taking care of my mental health and making sure I was still connecting with people in this Zoom online space and other options. But there was a coach who I followed who brought on a woman to do EFT tapping, And I jumped on to follow it along on Facebook Live. And within just a couple minutes of following along, I was bawling, tears were just flowing down my face. I literally felt energy move through my body and it was like a giant weight had been taken off my shoulders for the first time in years. EMDR had not done that. Talk therapy had not done that. Hypnosis had not done that. None of the other things I had tried had done what EFT did literally in just a few minutes. And I had this moment of, Amanda, this is not only what you're supposed to do for your healing. This is what you are supposed to do in the world. You have landed right where you're supposed to be. And I get goosebumps. Yeah,
0: that's powerful. I'm telling this
1: story. Yeah. Because it was literally, I literally, I'd gone from an astrological reading cause I have, I'm, I'm all sorts of woo and fun. So, so I'd gone from having my chart read to this tapping and I just got done and I was crying through the chart reading cause it was super powerful and impactful. And then I had this tap, you know, tapping that I just followed along by chance and I get done and I just remember
0: sitting there and kind of going, okay. In the last hour and a half, you learned a lot about yourself
1: and a lot about life. And you need to digest this for a minute. But I think we got a plan. I think we got our way forward. And I think this feels really good for once. I'm not putting on a hat for somebody else. I'm not not doing something because that's the next step somebody else thinks I should take. This, This is my magic. This is what I get to choose. And so sure enough, this woman was having a program start that fall. Um, I think this was right around June, July, where I learned (laughs) again. Those are the magic months for me. And um, so I was like, well, take my credit card, please sign me up. And then I found out there was an advanced program that we could go even deeper and make this even more therapeutic and help people really, truly heal. I was like, yes, please sign me up. I'll take the advanced. And as I went through that, we had to tap with tapping partners. So I got to continue my healing by using the modality and learning the modality. Um, and I had fabulous people in the program with me that held beautiful space for me to have those healing aha moments. And the program was run by wonderful women that, you know, taught us how to keep each other safe in those moments and had our backs. If something was too big for somebody that was just learning. Right. And um, I, I, Realized, okay, I need to, I need to bring back some of my grad school learning and all of this. Like EFT feels good, but I there's more to it, right? And a lot of the people I was taking the EFT training with, they were also Reiki practitioners or they knew numerology, or so they all kind of had their own ways of like the something and EFT or EFT and something. And I was like, well, I went most of the way through a master's of social work program. I paid a lot of money for that education but it's buried in trauma brain because I left grad school in trauma. How can I get that back? Well, the universe said, here you go. Here's an eCornell wellness certification program. And I read the description and I actually did a free call with one of the women that went around the program. And I said, I had some questions and it was like, oh, yeah, that's going to unlock all the stuff from grad school that I buried. And it's way cheaper than going back to grad school and finishing. So took their wellness certification program and the professor was actually blown away. She's like, you are far and beyond (laughs) the other participants in this program. And I said, well, I said, I was most of the way through a master's of social work. I just am taking this to refresh my brain. So thank you for confirming that that knowledge is still in there. And lo and behold, Value Yourself Counseling was born. I'm an advanced EFT practitioner and an emotional wellness counselor. And I've continued to heal and grow and tune into my intuition and my inner authority and really hone into what I want to do. And it is grief and other really big, deep, hard emotions for women to experience like shame and all those kind of vulnerability, those big, heavy things, parts of self-work and just all the stuff that I had to kind of figure out on my own with just little glimmers of light or help or hope. I want to go and reach back and help other women and pull them forward and let them know that they're not alone. And more than anything, there was a quote that I've always loved. I found it, I think towards the beginning of grad school and I fell in love and I've always been in love with it. And it's about the caterpillar going through the cocoon. And when she came out on the other side, the other caterpillars didn't recognize her because she had wings and I went through that metamorphosis. I had to go through the really goopy, gooey, yucky, disgusting stage of falling completely apart, right? Completely dissolving who I thought I was, who I was going to be, what that all meant. You know, and my dad and my grandparents were the people that grad school was the most important to, and they were now no longer there. So, you know, unpacking all of that and then coming out the other side, this butterfly that finally felt like she had wings on that felt Right that matched who she was. And that's what I want to do for other women is I want to help them create that safer, braver cocoon for them to unlearn, unbecome, fall apart, dissolve into that scary, icky, goopy place and do the healing and the repair work and empower themselves to come out that butterfly that feels aligned and badass and ready to take on the world.
0: Yeah, this is so powerful. You said so many really intriguing words and so i just want to want to get some clarity first right you specialize in working with women eft tapping is for anyone and can you give some clarity for those that are new to this and and knowing that people can't see you to describe what's different right because emdr familiar with that and so the know, like, yes, EFT, and I love that you said hypnosis didn't work for you, that cognitive behavioral therapy didn't work for you, and that you found your thing. And so it can work for other people, but EFT tapping really is different. Can you go into that and kind of explain with some detail, like, what what it is and why it has been so powerful?
1: So, actually, EFT... Is so magical because it takes Western practices and Eastern practices and combines them. So it takes the psychological practices of Western therapy and talk therapy and kind of brings those into the somatic bodily mm-hmm. practices of you tapping on the acupressure meridian points. So tapping on the acupressure meridian points throughout the face and the body, what those do is they calm our sympathetic nervous system. Mm-hmm which is in charge of pumping cortisol and adrenaline, fight or flight, all that kind of stuff, right? Our primal brain that Mm -hmm. keeps us in survival mode. It calms the amygdala down in our brain, which is in charge of all that stuff as well in our limbic system, which is in charge of our emotions. All Mm -hmm. that stuff that's kind of at the back of our primal brain that was there from the dawn of mankind to keep us alive. But if that stuff is activated, if we're pumping adrenaline and cortisol and our sympathetic nervous system is on high alert. We can't access the higher parts of our thinking, memory, etc. And so tapping on those acupressure meridian points tells those systems to shh, 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 calm down. Mm. It's okay. You're safe. You're in this moment right here. It's it's okay. There's no need for fight or flight. It's all right. And then there is a like a sequence and a, a way of the words and the phrases used in tapping. That then, as you are tapping and kind of calming that sympathetic nervous down, nervous system down, and tuning into the parasympathetic and the vagus nerve and you know these other parts of the body that you're activating through the acupressure meridian points, you're accessing the subconscious and the higher you know, higher Mm decision-making memories, all that kind of stuff. And so you can go in and rework the emotional state, either a present emotional state. So right. If you're anxious or angry or agitated in the moment, you can work through that. Or if you have past memories or events that you need to work through. And then the modality I'm trained in is we can go, we can go back and do the past work and the parts of self-work We can do present work and we can help you do future visioning. So I really love the method I'm trained in because I get to do past, present and future. So the whole package. Yeah. But yeah, the science of EFT is basically it's that magic combination of somatic bodily practices of tapping on those acupressure meridian points to calm the sympathetic nervous system and then bringing in those phrases and talk therapy kind of stuff that's very similar to like neurolinguistic programming and, and things like that to tune in and access those higher levels of thinking and emotional centers and and memories and things in the brain. And, you know, difficult emotions and memories, they are just a disruption to our energy system. And so anytime we can interrupt that disruption and send that energy elsewhere and get ourselves back kind of in flow, right? Again, that vagus nerve, if we, we want our vagus nerve being in charge and we want our parasympathetic sympathetic nervous system in running the show versus our sympathetic. So anytime we can calm that sympathetic nervous system and start working ourselves back to activating the parasympathetic and the vagus nerve, we're going to get we're going to be able to facilitate healing and ease pain and discomfort. So EFT is a beautiful tool because it can work on mental health like it is it is actually an evidence-based practice as well. Mm-hmm. So there is research out there that shows how effective it is as a tool for anxiety, depression, TTSD, and trauma, and then it, and phobias as well. And then it's also been shown for cravings, physical mm-hmm. pain, chronic illness, inflammation, all those things. Um, so there is research out there. If somebody is a science-minded person and wants to know more about the science, Dr. Peter Stapleton is a great resource. She has a book called The Science Behind Tapping. She's got a great Instagram and mm-hmm. she does, she's one of the top researchers. Excellent. So if you Google Dr. Peter Stapleton research, you'll get a bunch of that research on EFT um, that shows the correlation and just how powerful it is. And there is studies showing the other benefit TFT is that it actually is faster acting. So you get a quicker result So cognitive behavioral therapy, which is kind of the gold standard of therapy these days, right, typically takes 10 sessions to show an actual effect. EFT can be as quick as one to three sessions. Mm -hmm.
0: So that's part of my intrigue with it is being told that. And so I'm very much into polyvagal theory, vagus nerve and learning how do we get back? How do we get in vagal and ventral vagal and Part of the power of that is seeing that you can go into sympathetic and come back yes. to ventral vagal, right? Go back to your parasympathetic and see that you actually have agency over it. And kind of what you talked about earlier, one of the powerful things you said was inner authority. Yes. Like knowing that we can actually feel ourselves leaving parasympathetic, going into you know fight, fight, fall, and freeze, and be able to come back. Instead of it, right. the events, the threats always having the power. And nice. so EFT tapping is a my understanding an incredible technique that has a fast result. Cause again, this is, this is America. It's all about Instagramification right? And I'm an addict, so I love Instagramification So, but really, so how would, so is it, so if it's a phobia versus it's a traumatic event, does that, de- does that determine what part of the body you do the tapping on?
1: No, there is a, a predetermined sequence. So they always start with the side of the hand, which is where we do our setup phrases. So that's what always starts a round of tapping is the setup phrases on the side of the hand. And then the bodily sequence is top of the head. So like if you drew a line from your nose up and your ears up and where that would meet. Okay. And then eyebrow point. So kind of right here at the inside top of the eyebrows, right there above your nose on the brow bone. Okay. Side of the eye is right out from the corner of the eye, kind of there on your side of your temples then under the eyes kind of right there on those cheek or sinus bones underneath your eye, then under the nose and then chin, right below your lips mm-hmm. and the top of your chin. I got a nice little groove there and no, I didn't create it by tapping. It was already there. It's great. <laughs> and then collarbone point, which is just literally kind of right below your collarbones. And then under the arms, which is kind of for us ladies, kind of where our bra bands hit, um, I don't like doing this one with people because A, it's uncomfortable and it's uncomfortable for a lot of people. And you kind of look like a funky chicken. <laughs> um, and then under the chest, which is also another awkward spot for us awkward. ladies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And then wrist point. And so the side of the hand is only used for the set of phrases at the beginning of each round. And then you would just repeat through the bodily points mm-hmm. as you do your other reminder mm-hmm. phrases.
0: Yeah, that is that is fantastic. So this is really something that empowers someone to on their own. Right? Like, there's no dependency on the therapist or on the facilitator or the practitioner. Like, it is something that people can learn and be able to do on their own before they walk into a staff meeting, before they go deal with a family member, whatever right. it is. This is something that allows them to come back to a place of connection and from there interact with whatever is in front of them. Is that correct? Right. And the difference
1: between, so there's YouTube. YouTube out there, there's people mm-hmm. on TikTok doing it. Mm-hmm. There's, you can look it up on the internet and find how to do yes. a sequence. There's apps. Mm-hmm. That's great. I want this accessible. Yeah. And know that if you don't ever meet with a practitioner and do it with a practitioner, you're getting very surface level. Right, absolutely. What a practitioner can do is A, we're going to ask you questions that you probably wouldn't know to ask yourself or wouldn't be comfortable asking yourself because again, our brains are wonderful, amazing things that are designed to keep us safe. And right. so it's not going to allow you to ask yourself right. the hard questions unless you're well-versed in doing that, right? But if you're doing a practice that you're wanting yourself to feel better, you're probably not going to want to sit with those hard questions without some help holding up that mirror, right? Mm-hmm. We, so that's we create that safer container and like you said, when you go from one, you know, the sympathetic being activated and back, memories can come back up, things mm-hmm. can come back, trauma mm-hmm. can be certain first to retriggered. I am trained in how to get you back to safety.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So instead of cuz one of the things I got when I was first told people I was learning EFT, oh, they either knew a friend or they'd done one session and they'd had horrible nightmares or it felt worse mm-hmm. later. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm going to tell you that either you didn't have a good practitioner or you didn't really go through enough of the session or you weren't honest with your practitioner. Right. And I said, because you opened a door and you didn't close it. Yeah. yeah. Because if you open a door in the subconscious, it's going to run with it. Yeah. You know, I, and I, I, that's when you're going to get the nightmares yeah. and all that. Right. But right. I'm trained to Package it all back up and keep you safe. Because yeah. my goal, just like doctors take an oath of do no harm, I do not want to re trauma or re trigger anyone.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you just said is so important. And I appreciate you saying that because it's vital. One, understanding I'm so grateful for YouTube, TikTok, all the things allowing people to understand the importance of mental health, seeing different modalities of therapy is part of why I'm sure this podcast. But it's also an understanding of that, you know, our brain and particularly your unhealthy ego, the job is to keep you very small, but safe in that smallness.
1: Yes. And
0: so, and I explain to people, it's kind of like if a teacher walked out of a classroom of 30 students and an hour later walked back in, everybody's going to raise their hand. They got a story. They want to tell you what happened while you were gone. So when we tap into things that have been unconscious and obviously you start opening that door, there's there could be lots of parts of you that want to come to awareness and without someone who can facilitate with you and keep you safe, it can be emotionally dangerous, and we don't want that for y'all. all Yeah. And so I I have found, because you can find, and I'm so grateful, you can find a trauma-informed therapist easy. You can now find people who are truly trained in, in hypnotherapy. You can find so many EMDR practitioners, many people, different things. It is not that easy to find someone who has done the training you've done with EFT tapping is and, and it's and it's definitely well known now. So yeah. how how do we find somebody and know that they are on your level of being an advanced practitioner?
1: Um so those of us that are advanced will typically say that we're advanced and that yeah. we're certified, right? Um ask them questions. Ask them mm-hmm. where they learned ask them where they trained ask them what modality they're trained in, right? Because there are different types of EFT. So you'll hear some people kind of refer to it as clinical or different things. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm specifically trained by Jackie McDonald and the McDonald manifestation method. Mm -hmm. And why she calls it that is because a lot of her work is again, on that visioning and the parts of self-work and being able to kind of do that whole person, right? Past, present, and future. Yeah. And, um, I'm able to take my personal background in mental health and my training as, you know, I was learning to be a social worker, I was going to be a licensed clinical social worker. So I also have gone and gotten further education in like integral family systems and mm-hmm. other things like that so I can really mm-hmm. bring in, you know, my knowledge and my skills. So don't be afraid to ask questions. If you're going to pay money to someone and put them in charge of your well-being and mental health, ask questions. Do not be afraid to ask questions. And most of us know enough to put our egos aside. And if we're not for everybody, right, Mm -hmm. we might not be a perfect fit. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I have the things I like to work on and I know kind of what my wheelhouse and my lane is. And if I'm not the right fit for somebody, I train with a bunch of other wonderful, beautiful women who have all different specialties. I know some that do food allergies. I know some, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, So I'm Mm -hmm. very much not afraid to refer somebody to somebody else if I'm not the right fit. So again, don't be afraid to ask questions, um, you know, and then do a little kind of vetting and investigation and see, you know, do they have any testimonials? Do they have, Mm. you know, can they show you that they've got a piece of paper that says they're certified? Um, Yeah. You know,
0: yeah, I think that's. I think Ask those that's great. questions. Do yeah. the digging. Yeah, absolutely. That you're worthy of doing the digging. And, and right. you know, so, and this is something like it's because I know you don't live, a lot of our listeners are all over actually, but, you know, I can only tell people like Charlotte, North Carolina surrounding areas, right? But this can be done through telehealth. Is that correct?
1: I do it all via Zoom. Yeah. So, um, and the reason and people have done it over the phone, I prefer to do it over Zoom because I want to see your face because I watch for affect changes, mm-hmm. tears, yawns, mm-hmm. all these other signs yes. that tell yes. me that help me clue in where I need to go or if we need to stop or if yes. it's still safe, you know, a safe space. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I definitely prefer to do it where I get to see my client's face. Um, just because, again, my biggest objective is keeping that person safe. Absolutely. And I can do a better job of keeping them safe if I can watch for affect changes. And things like that,
0: yeah. So, as a trauma-informed therapist, I tell people when I start working with them that for them it might be once a week, once a month for them to know themselves. But that you know, we really try to zip it up by the end and get all parts of self to agree to to not reemerge and so, right? Surprise! Let let's wait to our next session. So, but with EFT tapping, it sounds like. It might be beneficial, and you tell me if I'm wrong about this, to do it more than once a week, like to start off, because this is almost like a different language.
1: Right. Yeah, and so I kind of will design things with my clients. Typically, our sessions are about 90 minutes, but if somebody is going to be tackling something bigger or more longer term, we're going to adapt our program, right, Mm -hmm. for that. So maybe that first session will be, we'll do a session just teaching the basics of VFT, Right? right, so that they can digest that and get comfortable mm-hmm. with that and learn a little bit about what that looks like, and we might just do a really short, superficial tapping. Yeah. So they can start to get a feel for it, and then that next session might be a full blown Okay, we're going to dive in mm-hmm. and you know spend a little more time here. Um, so it just kind of depends upon their comfort level, how familiar they are or aren't with the modality. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also, you know, I have a disability, and part of that is in my hand and wrist function. And so I also know that I can't go more than a 90 minute session because my hands, cause I tap along with my clients. And so yeah. I know physically I can't go more than 90 minutes cause I'm going right. to be worn out by the end of that. Um, but I also like adapt tapping points and those kinds of things for folks. It's all about, you know, making it work for you, the yeah. language work for you that the practitioner yeah. is a good fit for you. That the space is comfortable and feel safe for you. Um, Yeah, because that's when the magic is most likely to happen is when it really feels tailored to the person. Yeah. And I definitely, I prefer to work with people that are ready to do some homework. So maybe they're not tapping with
0: me twice a week, but they're at least doing some mirror work or some Mm -hmm. tapping with themselves. Yeah, that's great. So when I heard 90 minutes, my ADHD kind of kicked in. And so I'm wondering how how you've seen your technique work with ADHD or just ADD with any side subtype of that.
1: Well, I'm pretty sure I have adult onset ADHD and I am trying very hard actually to get a diagnosis and get some support. Right. Um, so I can relate very much to that. And I have a lot of experience working with others who are ADD and ADHD. Um, that was a big part of, cause I did school-based and community-based mental health with adolescents and teens. Mm-hmm. So I am not unfamiliar with ADD and ADHD <laughs> at all. And that's another thing, like if that's, part of it. Right. Like, cause our, I do work with adolescents and teens. Yeah. We talk about our 45 minute session is going to be the best that we can do. Yeah. And that's okay. And yeah. you know, it's, as long as it's all about setting up a container for me to succeed as the practitioner,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but that is secondary to them succeeding as a client. Yeah.
0: yeah that's really Because good.
1: it's for them. Yeah, and absolutely. so, yeah, very much like, okay, if ADD is going to be an issue, 45 minutes. Yeah. And then I know as a practitioner how far we can go in that session, right? And then yeah. I know where to kind of wrap it up again so that I'm leaving them without all these loose ends and the subconscious wide open and it messy. Right. Right, yeah.
0: right. Yeah. No, that's really, really good. What's been the most surprising thing for you personally when it comes to this form of therapy?
1: It is amazing what the brain will tuck away. Mm hmm we will think wasn't that traumatic or wasn't that big of an, a deal, right? Because the brains put it away so neatly and so nicely. But then when we bring it up, we realize just what it connects to and how far back it goes. Mm-hmm. And then how, I mean, it's, it. I I joke that this is the magic of where I make, I'm really good at making people cry. And those are the moments where I've had the big release of tears because you, it's like, a light bulb goes on or a mirror is finally held up and these connections are made. Oh, now I understand why I do that. Yes. Or now I know why this always makes me upset. Or now I know why I'm always irritated when X, Y, or Z.
0: Yeah.
1: Because you've connected the dots as to where that's gone back to and where that started, right. That setting event Uh and where it's been reinforced throughout life. And then we can go in and we can start to unravel and rework the emotions around each of those. And Dr. Peel Stapleton talks about it, so like a table. So let's say the top of the table is the global emotion event issue that we're tapping on. So let's say anxiety is the top of the table and it's held up by all these legs. So all those legs are all the moments in life where something has reinforced that anxiety. Mm -hmm. So when we go in and we start tapping and we start kind of globally on that just big picture of anxiety, but the subconscious is like, oh, I'm comfortable now. I'm going to remind you of that time in second grade when you couldn't get to the bathroom fast enough and you peed your pants and you were embarrassed in front of everybody and you were pee pee pants all year, right? Mm -hmm. And then you (laughs) go back and you can rework that emotion around that memory and it knocks that leg of the table off. Yeah. And then you go back in and you keep, your brain will keep bringing those up and you'll keep knocking those legs of the table off. And pretty soon that table's not going to stand up anymore. Right. Because you've taken all the legs of the table off. Yeah. And so that anxiety doesn't have literally a leg to stand on. Yeah.
0: That's good. <laughs> I love that. That's a great visual and, and, and nice closure yes. with that. I really like that. Yes. yes, That is great. So, what have you seen in this as part of the magic? About how EFT tapping goes in tapping into um, pre-verbal, right, being in the womb or the first eighteen months. Like we know with our attachment style, the first eighteen months are crucial to how we learned how to attach. But we have no memory of that. What is there a correlation or anything that you've noticed with your technique?
1: I haven't yet, and I'm waiting for the day that that comes. Yeah, because again, my background is in family science. So I know all the developmental ages and stages and I'm like, I'm ready for it. I haven't had that happen yet. Mm. Um, I think the earliest memory I went back to was like three, but yeah, I haven't gotten any through any clients or with my own tapping or with tapping with anybody else in my program, any younger than probably age three. And I, I know people do it. I know people yeah. go back and do clear back to the womb work. Um, it's just unfortunately not something that I've yet had gotten yeah. the joy of experiencing. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, I would wonder too, with all the you know experience that you have and expertise you have with this, is that if some people are getting released from things that happened the first eighteen months, there's just no there are no words for that. But, but their their new life, their new behavior, their new connection to self is a display that whatever it was. We don't always know what we're getting free from and we can still get free. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to always know what the exact memory is to get free from it.
1: Right. And that's part of what we're trained in is our clients don't have to have the specifics, right? There can be this fuzzy picture, just this kind of like peripheral knowing that comes Mm -hmm. up and we just don't take your best guess. Yeah. Yeah. And let's, let's follow the lead. Let's see where it goes. And, And that's what's beautiful is there's no pressure, right? Sometimes in yeah. talk therapy, <laughs> there can be like a lot of pressure. I need you to tell me exactly when this yeah. I was like, huh? yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're putting you're asking me a right. questions. Right. What this does, is, you know, because we're tapping and we're calming that nervous system down mm-hmm. and we're allowing kind of it's like you're having the guards at the gate almost fall asleep. Right. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly the gate's no longer guarded and it can just swing open and you can you know, the little nuggets or things that need to be addressed will kind of slip out because there's nobody guarding that gate anymore. Yeah. And so we just very loosely kind of follow what go, you know, whatever mm-hmm. comes. And that's the beauty is you never like you can have something very specific that you've set a goal that you're going to work with a client on. and I always tell clients, this is what you want to work on and know that your subconscious may have another plan. Absolutely.
0: Another plan. Absolutely.
1: I will do my best to keep you safe in that. So if yeah. something comes up that you're not ready for, that's when you, you know, wait, wave, yeah. wave, wave the flag and say, you're not ready.
0: Yeah.
1: But know that your brain is good. Throw us for a loop because we are not going to have
0: mm-hmm.
1: a ton of control. Once we're in there, once we've unlocked, you know, mm-hmm. put those guards mm-hmm. to sleep and open that gate. There's no telling what might come through.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's also, and I'm, I appreciate you saying that, and if I tell my, my patients what's comforting is that I haven't seen anybody have something revealed that they weren't ready for. And that that's how beautiful our brain is and what happens. And so things get revealed when you have shown that there's enough health to hold it. And with a great practitioner, practitioner like you, they don't have to hold it by themselves. So, so much of our pain is coming out of loneliness and someone not seeing us, emotional needs, not being met, and then the shame comes in, and then that becomes the only friend you have, so to speak. All right? So so that's, that's the thing, is that, that for people just to trust, if you're hearing this and kind of hearing this, kind of getting scared, that you will not see something unless you're ready to see it. Right.
1: You may not feel ready, but again, right. your, brain your brain would never do anything to yeah. keep you or put you in harm's way, right? That's right. That's it's right. It's saying, trust yourself. You're that's ready. Right. And I, yeah. that's one of those moments that I had. I will. We were learning a new skill in practitioner training, and we were supposed to come with like a little T trauma. huh. Well, most of us thought our traumas were little T traumas, and then when we started tapping, we realized just how integrated and how yeah. many other things it connected to. Right. And, it's the poor, the women running the program had to kind of like bring us all back in and do some, and it was just, but thankfully I was with a woman who was great and I'm well-resourced enough that I was like, let me just sit with this for a minute. Let me see what's coming up. And then like, we got to kind of talk through, I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen and honor why my brain is bringing these things up. And like, I'm going to take note, right? And we kind of followed some of it a little bit and- it was just like, okay, wow, I didn't know, and th- and and thank you, thank you, brain, yeah. yeah, right, and thank you to my practitioner partner at the time, and thank you, and that's mm. and that's the job I do is I make sure that it feels okay when those things come up, mm. that it yeah. feels okay to be vulnerable because so many times, like I said, I'm really good at making people cry, and have, that's not what they expected to have happen in session, right? And I don't get. How did you do this to me? I that, and I'm like, and it's okay. I yeah, said, sure. You don't have to, like, don't, you can be vulnerable here. You can be bawling or like, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to do that here. Yeah, yeah. You get permission because that was the biggest part of my journey
0: mm.
1: is not feeling like I had permission. Yeah. And that's part I of it. I never the had closing. permission to grieve. Mm-hmm. I never had permission to experience my difficult emotions. I had to suck them up and put on a happy face and go back to taking care of everyone else. Right. Right. And that's, so I work to give people permission.
0: Yeah. And so that's part of the trauma. And I think part of even knowing that you get a bunch of educated, intelligent women come into a a training and don't know that their little T is not a little T that's a big trauma is because so much trauma is normalized. Yes. Right? Just the idea of teaching, and again, there is some some gender thing with this, that we really teach women what's, what compassion is, that it's for others, and that there's neglect of self. And then we consider that admirable and beautiful, and it is not. And we teach men that they are allowed to be fierce and angry and upset, but they're not allowed to be nurturing. Like There's so much that we're just not integrating yet. And so that's what you're talking about is allowing it to be that part of the trauma is that we are not allowed to show up as self. And so you're, this is identifying what's caused the fragmentation. And, exactly. then, and, that, and that's why so much comes up if we don't realize how one threat came in and, and five parts were born just to get us through that. And this sounds like a really safe way that, again, gives inner authority, as you said, yes. to allow someone to connect to self and to be able to have awareness of all their parts. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing.
1: I think thing. so and that's why I love what I do
0: <laughs> oh I bet I bet and so in part of the future part is that like a mentalization like bringing in yeah
1: sometimes even when we go back and rework past stuff right like they get to vision a new mm-hmm. how they'd rather have had that been right right but then for future visioning um if we're doing it around parts of self work, it can be calling in on the wise woman, right. Or inner Mm -hmm. authority or in my work, the inner badass,
0: Right.
1: Um, if you're talking integral family part, you know, like that capital S self. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Jackie who I trained her, she, you know, money manifestation, all these other things. I've done it with folks around, um, Kind of a tricky way of helping illuminate where their pain points are. Mm -hmm. Like if they were to envision what they, you know, what a perfect situation or whatever would look like, sometimes that'll help illuminate the pain points. Um, I've, being a speaker, I've done some events where, and I do intuitive meditations. I don't script them. Mm -hmm. I let them come through in the moment. Like obviously there'll be a theme, right? That is appropriate to the workshop or the setting. But I just kind of let them come through, and again, it's one of those moments where I watch people either have to quick turn off their camera, or I catch the tears before they turn yeah. off their camera, right? And um, and I'll get that feedback of, "Holy cow, that was powerful. That was just mm. what I needed. You brought mm. like I didn't even know mm. that this, you know." And it's like, good.
0: It did. Yeah. It, it did its job. Right. Right. Right.
1: <laughs> um, so some of that future visioning and how I do my work is. To illuminate where some of that discomfort is so people know what they need and want to work on Mm -hmm. so that they can get to that perfect Mm -hmm. picture of what they'd like. Yeah. Because that's some of the work I had to do for myself, right? As I'm sitting in that darkness going, this is not where I want to live. I had to think about, okay, well, where do you want to live? What does that look like for you?
0: And knowing that you're worthy of having a different vision.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That that's is why so my good. business is
1: named Value Yourself Counseling. Yeah. It's because I want people to know that they get to value themselves, that it's right. okay.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's so great. So so if our people wanted to contact you, and we can put some stuff in the in the show notes as as well, that just to give an idea of who is who is the the perfect client for you who would, who's listening to this that's maybe curious now that you would say, okay, like this is, this, what might, might be what you're dealing with. And I'm, I'm a good choice for you. Possibly a good choice for you.
1: Anyone that identifies as a woman or non-binary or again, adolescents or teens um, that is either semi-aware of those pain points or knows that they're at a point where like life just is not aligned. It's Mm. the, They kind of are lost, right, in their life. It's not Mm -hmm. the life they wanted or envisioned. And they're not miserable, but they're not happy either, right? There's just some disconnect. Mm -hmm. And they want some illumination as to what isn't working so they can change and get back to, you know, themselves. They feel like overwhelmed, burnt out. They're not in the driver's seat of their own life. And they want to get back into that seat. Women that don't know how to prioritize themselves or self-care without shame. So mm. anybody that feels mm. shame around feeling their emotions, taking care of themselves, valuing themselves, prioritizing themselves. Um, I love Brené Brown and doing that work around oh, shame and vulnerability. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyone who I have obviously extensive history and experience with grief. So anybody who is struggling with grief as kind of the presenting emotion or that's in those really dark, difficult spaces and needs somebody just to create a safer container for them to be yeah. in those moments. Yeah. I. It's so funny because I watched a TED Talker by Brené Brown and she's like, I went into social work research because I didn't want to have to do the deep, dark, dirty work. And I was like, well, that's what I love. I'm like, yes, give me the hard stuff. Like I want to yeah. sit with people mm. in those dark Hard spaces mm-hmm. because I've sat in those alone. Yeah. And yeah. I know what it feels like to sit in those moments alone. Yeah. And I had people that wanted to try to be there, but they didn't know how. Mm. And so I love doing that work because yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Um, anybody that is, you know, wanting to kind of tune into those parts of self and kind of empower that inner badass. And do some inner child healing and get their wounded warrior to put her shield down and take a break and mm. relax. You know, so if you're feeling like you've just been fighting a fight for years and you don't even know why you're fighting the fight mm. and you're tired, mm. those yeah. are those are my people. Yeah. And I also identify as I'm a fat woman with disability, mental health issues myself, and I am queer. And so if any of that resonates with you, then, you know, that is also you know, those are my folks yeah. as well.
0: Well, that's so well explained, and thank you for being a safe person and a safe woman for so many people. So you talked Thanks. a little bit about where you sat before. Now I'm gonna have you sit in our hot seat for a second. Someone's gonna ask you some fairly lighthearted questions. Whatever comes to mind first, you just throw it out there. All right. All right. Okay, very good. All right. So what is your favorite quote? Um, I'm
1: gonna butcher it, so let me grab it real quick, because I actually have it embroidered because that's how much I love it is my friend embroidered it for me on this little quilt so my favorite quote is when she transformed into a butterfly the caterpillar spoke not of her beauty but of her weirdness they wanted her to change back into what she always been but she
0: had wings yeah it's beautiful thank you for that so good okay so what surprises people the most about you I think
1: just how outspoken I can be and how passionate I am about certain things. Um, and that sometimes that passion comes out with the mouth of a sailor.
0: Yeah, uh, I love that. So in alignment with that, what in your life has surprised, surprised you the most about you?
1: How determined, tenacious, and brave I really am. Yeah, so glad you called Um that. And, you know, there's a lot of us that talk about how we don't really like the word resilient because we shouldn't have a world that forces people to have to be resilient. But I am resilient. And that's part of why I call myself a badass is, you know, that journey, that two-year journey of really looking back and taking stock. I, and even as it's continued, right? Don't do the trauma Olympics, right? I know there's people that have been through worse, but... For what I've been through, I'm pretty dang impressed by myself.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'm so glad to hear you and say that. And fun
1: stuff I've done too, you know? Like packing up and moving to less than an hour outside of New York City, less than a year after 9-11. My friends and my family mm-hmm. were terrified and thought I was crazy. Yeah. And it was one of the best adventures I ever had.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good. Okay, so if you could have a different name, you had to give yourself a different name, what name would you pick?
1: Well... My dad almost said that I was Rhiannon, and I think because I am a Stevie Nicks and, you know, yeah,
0: I think I'd go with Rhiannon. Yeah, I like it. It's so good. Thank you, Amanda. You have brought so much to the table and also took the legs off the table at the same time for us today. I appreciate you, and I just want our audience to know that I went on a Facebook page that's for people who have podcasts, and put out their what I was looking for, and just know a lot of responses, a lot of different people who do EFT tapping, but there was something about Amanda, and I think you probably by now have heard what I saw on that Facebook Aww. page. So thank you, you're an amazing, beautiful, talented woman, and thank you for sharing all of that with those who come in your path.
1: Well, thank you so much. You're going to make me cry. That, see? That see? feels real good. Thank I'm, you. I'm
0: the winner. I'm the therapist winner on this. I made the cryer. and one makes other people cry. Cry. Winner right here. So, all right, y'all. I don't know exactly what you heard today, but I know you heard at least one thing that helped you to reconnect to who you really are. We'll see you next time.
1: Thank you for listening to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycut. Please subscribe, rate, and share. You can find Kim on Facebook or Instagram at KB Honeycut. To get an autographed copy of Kim's book, visit butyourmotherlovesyou.com. Remember, no matter what, treat yourself
0: well today.